0: Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast.
1: Here we go again. Good Wednesday morning. We're a day away from week 11 of the NFL season with a huge game in the NFC West between the Arizona Cardinals and the Seattle Seahawks. But here we are on a Wednesday morning. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin presented by Progressive Uh, Insurance. What up? That is the voice of Keyshawn Johnson. Let's hear the voice of Bart Scott. Good morning, Bart.
0: What up? My name's Shemp now. You know what I'm saying? I'm like the the, the cousin from the Three Stooges. I'm (laughs) Shemp whenever y'all invite me over. (laughs)
1: it's great to hear uh, your voice and great to have you here to round out our three Jay will will join us in the eight o'clock Eastern hour. Today's the NBA draft uh, on ESPN at eight Eastern and he's knee deep in that, but we'll talk to Jay at eight Eastern. So fellas Seahawks, Cardinals big game, everyone hyped. Short week. What can Murray do? More Murray magic off the hail mary. I see what but you did there. All man. of that. The hail mary. No. The short. The short. <laughs> That's the short and long of it. But even though that game's on the horizon, Russ and Kyler MVP talk. We are starting this morning talking about a team that has two wins, Uh-oh. has a five percent chance to win the division, Uh-oh. and is one hundred percent always. Front and center, Keyshawn. Do you know this team better than anyone else? It's the Dallas Cowboys. You played for them. You played for Jerry Jones. Jerry, we had a full stadium
2: when I played, though.
1: <laughs> right now, it's at twenty five thousand, which is about a quarter capacity. It's a hundred thousand seat stadium. This is from Jerry. You may have heard heard it here in the intro. Just a couple snippets. "Quote: My plan was to increase our fans as we went through the season, and we followed that plan. We've had almost a third of the attendance in the NFL. I'm proud of that." Our stadium is particularly suited for airness, openness, air circulation. Going on to say some people will say it is, but not when you're doing it as safe as we are and not when we're having the results we're having. Literally, we have had no one report they have had gotten any contact with COVID from coming to our football game. And he is using that rationale to say he slowly wants to ramp up, not down, ramp up the attendance at Cowboys games, by far leading the league in attendance. Remember, when your stadium is that big, your percentage of fans that can enter can be larger.
2: Yeah, it's just an ouch at this moment. If we were not in a spike with the pandemic. A little tone deaf here. No, I wouldn't necessarily say tone deaf. I I would just more say his explanation to why he wants to do it and not really explaining fully and, and just why. You know, he didn't really explain why. And, and I think for him, he has to understand, well, take a look around you. Take a look around the country, the world. As we continue in states, Texas, Florida, you name it, New York, L.A., you just name it as cities and states continue to spike up as mayors and governors and elected officials try to bring things down, you want to increase the attendance. I would be on board if that wasn't the case. But the case is, that's probably not a good idea as of right now, Bart, to be thinking about incre- How about this? Think about getting the damn W first. <laughs> get, think about getting the win before yeah. you start to worry about who might want to come into the stadium to see another L. Well,
0: that's easier said than done, right? So he says, you know what, I got to win in something, so I can't, I can't win on the field, so let me win in attendance. He's a competitive guy, but what I'm saying is, talk about tone deaf. I think it is tone deaf because when you look into Texas itself, it's, it, it passed a million cases. Well, see, the reason I say
2: it's not tone deaf because he ain't paying attention yeah, to that. Yeah, that yeah. ain't even. Yeah, he's choosing not to pay yeah, attention. Yeah, it. so it's not really even tone deaf because he's not acknowledging it and he's not paying attention to it. And it's he, and it's
0: hard. To, it's hard when you think about. You know, we don't know if anybody's contracted COVID from going to their game. Just because the they, didn't track, track, right, just they didn't report, right? Just because they didn't report. So he's using the data that he wants. You know, we always say numbers. You can say any use numbers in any way you want to. Um, I wonder I hope that they're using the misters because that's been something that's been you know revolutionary the fact that they have the drones that kind of sprays disinfecting throughout I understand that he has the ability to pull the roof back and he can use the circulation but it's just tone deaf with what we're going through right now and we know Jerry's all about money right last I checked like the Dallas Cowboys are the only ones that's not in the union right they're kind of separate to use their own branding uh, separate from the NFL and Jerry's a great businessman and he understands this is an opportunity he understands that's 40% of the revenue so he's trying to make sure that he can make – not that he needs it because it's the most valuable franchise in all of North America, but, you know, businessmen do what businessmen it, do. It,
2: it's, it's amazing because my my COVID expert in Jay Will is not here with me at this moment, but we certainly can – have the conversation when he joins us at but, eight o'clock.
0: But I'm good with you though, because you know I was I was talking with Alan Sills and all those guys during during the, the COVID task force. So. No, no, Doctor
1: Alan Sills, I, I, the I, NFL's I chief medical officer. Oh no, I, yeah, I, I, I love when Zoom and do that, man. But that's important to, yes, no, to know. Doctor Sills, I mean, no, but I'm just saying, my,
2: my COVID expert, because as soon as we talk about COVID, you know, Jay will bam, he start to get into it. I really don't like. For me, it's just like I really don't understand what's right and what's wrong, right? right. Because it, it, you it's 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 amazing when you talk about restaurants in the capacity of uh, uh, the restaurants that could have to be at a certain capacity. Yeah. Uh, and then when you look outdoors, they say, well, we don't really want in certain states. They don't really want people inside the restaurants in a closed environment, but they're building tents outside for yeah. you to sit and eat in, which has walls up in this closed environment. Yeah. So everything is a little confusing. So when you go back into the Jerry situation, it's like, okay, you got 25,000 people. You want to increase it another six or 7,000 to a capacity of around 32,000 or so in that area for what with the last three games at home or four games at home that you may have, what is the reasoning? Now, if he would have said, I was looking forward to doing this, as this uh, virus continued to, you know, go down, not increase in terms of the numbers, we wanted to do that. Then I would be like, oh, okay, that makes a whole lot of sense. But thinking about doing it right now, Come on, Jerry,
0: man, you are smarter than this. So this is what I'm trying to figure out. I'm trying to figure out what the procedures is because, you know, when, when I go over to the Jets, I get my um, my Tracer, I go over, or sometimes when you go to restaurants, even now, they ask you for your name and your phone number yes. So in case they have to contract Trace. Mm-hmm. That's hard to do with 25,000 people. So I'm trying to figure out are they buying the tickets online and then somebody's going to give them their name where they can contact if it is a spike. So know. that's, that's, that's because that's, cause that's the responsible thing to do, like to be able to say, okay, if you're going to come to the game, you're going to buy our tickets. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that they're sitting in clusters and Much? you're coming with people that, you know, and then you're socially distanced from the other people. Like, are you going to be able to contract trace and get information? So if it is a spike, you can reach out to those people. And how do
2: you do that? I've never, I mean, i not never, but I haven't bought, tickets this year online or anything to go to any games, but I would think much like you said, how do you figure out the the tracing part of it? Do, is it a situation where you buy them online, like when you go to a movie theater or Ticketmaster yeah, or, exactly. ticket or something like that, one of those ticket outlets where you buy online and you get whatever group, you know, those spaces. Because when you think about it, it's like how do you, how are these stadiums that are having fans selecting where the fans go to sit. Right. Like if Zubin's buying tickets in row one in seat A, B, C, and D, well, who has the other four seats next to him or the other four seats behind him? Is that something that online at the contact tracing that you have to input the information, much like when you go into a restaurant?
0: And how much are owners investing in contact tracing? Because we know that's a thing within itself, to be able to reach out to everybody. You talk about 25,000 fans you know, some could be from Texas, but some could be from somewhere else. And you talk about in the midst of a spike going out and being able to spread, and we know that it comes from people that trust each other, right? So you I, you look at you know you look at the pictures of the stadium, and they're sitting next to each other. People have their masks down. They're talking to each other. They're getting excited. <laughs> so it's like, well, usually when you contract COVID, it's from someone that you know.
2: I, I, I it's a funny thing, and I don't. This is not a a laughing matter, but it's it's hilarious because. The people, as 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 thick neck said, oh, sitting next to on, each smoke. other, oh, sitting next to each other and behind each other, and we were looking at the monitor there. And you can't tell me the people that was behind the other people they know each other. They didn't come yeah, to the exactly. game together whatsoever. They don't even look like remotely they would know each other. But the people <laughs> in front didn't have any mask on at no. all, and it was only two people behind that had mask on. The other guy is eating, and they're literally like. You know the, the, you know the space in between the seats. They're literally right next to each other. Exactly. And I'm sitting there going, no, that's not a, that doesn't feel good. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't feel good at all. But, you know. Jerry's a great businessman. Yeah, but in this and situation, it shouldn't be about business. It right. should be about health.
0: My point. My point. But, you know, is it even a competitive advantage for them to have fans in there? I mean. It's state by state.
2: I would think. Kansas City has fans. Yeah. It's just state by state. Some fans are in Florida, I believe. Um, well, Florida's his own world. Well, but I'm just saying state by state, you know.
1: <laughs> last two things very quickly. One on the business part of it, and that is the secondary ticket market is absolutely crashing because while 25,000 people might want to come to Cowboys games, there are fans across the league that are saying, if you gave me a seat on the 50-yard line, I wouldn't go. So a lot of those secondary ticket markets where you go to get the last second yeah. ticket, they are hurting Badly. One fact, Jerry dealing in notions and opinions about the COVID. One fact, Andy Dalton back at practice after three weeks being out on Monday. Mike McCarthy said he looked great. He's a true pro. They're expecting him to start on Sunday when the Dallas Cowboys take on the Minnesota Vikings. Still to come, one NFL team that might be glad there aren't any fans in attendance, unlike the Cowboys games this season. We'll get to that.
4: Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details.
1: That's Dave Pash, the voice of the Arizona Cardinals. He couldn't believe it, and neither could anyone in Bill's Mafia. Kyler Murray hurling it 43 yards to the end zone. DeAndre Hopkins, draped by three Buffalo Bills defenders, comes down with it. Key is shaking his head a full three I, days after it man, happened. I don't get it, though, man.
2: <laughs> Let me ask you as a defensive player, yeah. Mark, because I've been the jump guy in those situations. Yeah. I've been the jump guy in those situations yeah. in the two-minute. And, and both on the offense and the defensive side has have actually probably had more interceptions in my career at the NFL than you do. yours. But. Uh, disrespectful. <laughs> but what would you do in that situation from a defensive standpoint?
0: Well, the problem is defenders can't really track the ball. You saw that the, the other defender jumped too early. And you, you know, really, you want to wait as a defender. You want to wait for the guy to come down. So you don't really want to jump with him. You want to put your arms through his arms. And as he comes down, you just snatch the ball out. But what happens is they jump too early and they try to jump with him right he high pointed the ball because he can see the ball the whole time the defenders are all looking back see they didn't they, see, they can't they can't track the ball like receivers are great at tracking the ball cuz they're used to running down and looking up so i guarantee you somebody could have lost it in the lights but when you look when they jump you get you wait for him to come down. Instead of the guy jumping, he should have stayed planted. So when he comes down, you just snatch the ball. Yeah, you can't jump See, backwards. It, right. See, and what happens is he took it back to his body. And, I mean, you got to have some strong hands to be able to get the ball back to your but body. But I
2: don't even start there, though. That's not even it. I we're, start at the point of attack. Oh, we're, at the press, line of oh we're, we're
0: pressing the hell out of him too. At the line of scrimmage, we're, we're pressing with people behind. I don't understand. I hate when they do that. You can't allow the guy to get down there because it's a timing play. You know that it's got to be a scramble. And if you're the edge setter, you never leave the edge. You stay there. You make him. Have to throw up and throw from the well. You never ever like get past quarterback depth. You don't try and go for the sack, you set the edge and you wait knowing that he has to scramble because the forty yard pass. Yeah. So he you know he has to buy time to scramble outside the box. That was just horrible execution. And then now they're forever posterized. And then it's like crazy because That's now you I got said, so, now, so now you got the Jordan logo on somebody's head, but they're playing football, but you just got
2: dunked on I I don't know what, what Sean McDermott and I I you know, I'm happy for D Hop and I'm happy for Kylie Murray, but I don't understand what McDermott right. and Leslie Frazier would think it.
0: We all we all we all familiar we all familiar with we knew where the ball was going. Absolutely, right? You know, Larry Fitzgerald in his advanced age, it would have took him forever to get down. Well, there. they had him.
2: They had him at the point of attack. <laughs> right. They,
0: they had him. So, the... so I don't understand. Like you, you don't need linebackers. Because that intermediate defender doesn't matter. So why don't you go out there with six, six DBs and then vice like, like Bill Belichick used to do with Gonzalez, you put two people on. It's like a punt protection, he would have never got off the line because I would have put one person on each shoulder and I would have jammed the hell out of him with safeties over the top. Why do you have linebackers in there? You should have DBs and you should put an extra line. You always put a line in the spy, I mean a, a, a linebacker or DB to spy, so then when he breaks contain, you go and figure out which way that he's going so he has to pull up. And there's just bad execution. It cost them, you know, a win, and now they're going to be in a tight race in in AFC East, and they're, and they're going to have to deal deal with potentially with a surging Miami Dolphins. And on the other side, you know, now Kyler Murray, the the Air Murray, you know, now now they're feeling good, and now they're in a legitimate race to win the division when we thought that Seattle was going to run away with it.
1: Indeed, speaking of the AFC East, Bart just mentioned them a moment ago. Exactly where Buffalo stands right now after that. Brain lock by head coach Sean McDermott and defensive coordinator, Leslie Frazier, as key said, our Twitter question this morning on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed simple. Who wins the AFC East Pats dolphins be a part of Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin nation on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed. Those are the two obvious choices. Pats. Dolphins, and obviously we got to throw the Bills in there as well, right? ESPN Nation presented by Dr Pepper. It's official, college football's back. So is your favorite Dr Pepper loving college football town, Fansville. Head to a store near you to treat your inner college football fan to an ice cold twenty ounce Dr Pepper today. Who wins the AFC East? Pats, Dolphins, Bills. Back to the NFC West. It's a logjam. You have three teams sitting at six and three, as Bart mentioned, including the two that'll kick off Week Eleven of the NFL season tomorrow night. Seattle, with all due respect to the Kansas City fans, tremendous home field advantage, the home of the 12th man. No fans there tomorrow night, but there will be precipitation. Surprise, surprise. (laughs) 60% chance of rain, key. Arizona going into Seattle off the win over the Seahawks on Sunday night football a couple weeks ago. In overtime, if Kyler Murray wins this game for the first, I don't know, four or five weeks of the season, everybody said Russell Wilson, MVP, it's overdue. Kyler creeping into the conversation. He had his quote-unquote moment on Sunday. If they go there, win, sweep the season series, and are an outright first place first thing Friday morning, mm-hmm. how different are we looking at Kyler Murray?
2: Well, er, er, you know, when you do these MVP conversations with young guys or even older guys for that matter, there's always during the course of the season there's something, there's a signature moment, something, a big game that stands out for you his momentum is carrying from the debacle of the Buffalo Bills loss to the Arizona win in the Kyle Murray Mary throw to DeAndre Hopkins. He carries that into Seattle. If he gets out of Seattle with a W, that's three wins in the last three games, two in Seattle, one in Arizona against the Seahawks. Perfect. They will now become this team that people start to say, oh, okay. All they got to do is beat up on the Rams a little bit. They may be the team in the NFC West to start taking over that division. These are moments that kick a guy up a couple notches. If he loses, eh, forget it. (laughs) If he wins, now you start to look at it and go, okay, we understand Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers is there, but this guy is doing something magical and special that's catching our attention.
0: I just don't think that he can win it. It's like one of those things. You know how it is, even with the Pro Bowl. We have players that are deserving of the Pro Bowl, but, you know, the, every, the fans. But and, his and, numbers, though, yeah, are good. Yeah, man. yeah, but, but what I'm saying, you know how it is. The fans wait, make you do it twice in a row. Yeah. Right. So like, even though they go there, you know, sometimes MVP can be a lifetime achievement award. Right. And it's all about, you know, carrying the momentum. Now he has momentum, but you know, you have Aaron Rodgers, you have Russell Wilson. If he can turn this thing around and win it, then he puts yeah, it Russell, up.
2: Russell, he probably, he probably toast. But, 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 but
0: you understand, we all know that, you know, everything happens in the NFL November, December. You know, it's not about what you do in the first couple of months. Anybody can go to a fast start. So head to head, if he looks better than and carries his team, because we would, I think that, you know, Arizona has a more complete team. Right. Because, I mean, this, Seattle might have the worst defense. How can Norton even is still employed and, and, and survive past the bye week is amazing to me because it is hard to be this damn bad in defense. They're giving up almost 400 yards a game, Key, 400 yards. You talk about a team that has Dumlap, has Bobby Wagner, Jamal Adams and Griffin. Those should be enough to not make you the worst in the league. Arguably, this might be the worst defense I've ever seen. When you have an offense this good, and you're going to be playing with a lead. You should be able to kind of like not just be horrible. Now, I remember Peyton Manning used to have some of the worst defenses ever. But, man, they knew how to play when they had an offense and a lead. The, the games in which Seattle loses, they'd be having like 34 points on the board. But Peyton had a bend-don't-break defense. Sure. But then bend-don't-break. <laughs> they they got a broken defense. Yeah, yeah.
1: Last word, Pete Carroll, 69 years old, made his chops in the NFL on defense. So the fact that his defense is playing this terribly is notable. The one name we didn't mention that we should in the last 15 seconds – Cliff Kingsbury, 35 and 40 in college. People were wondering why he got an NFL head coaching opportunity. Yeah. He was the offensive coordinator at USC, slightly longer than Bill no, Belichick coached the he, Jets. <laughs> we him. we didn't use him. <laughs> but people said, what is this guy doing in yeah, the pros? Well, how Couldn't we win with it? Patrick Mahomes in college. Can't feel the defense. It's the Big 12. He hasn't finished the job. But you got to give this guy a little bit of credit. On the way, the Bears have a quarterback situation. Yes, they have a huge problem there. But it's not the guy that's throwing the ball that might have the biggest problem injury-wise. It's one of the dudes catching it that's sounding off. And that's a way bigger story in Chicago. Wait till you hear this.
4: Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America.
2: Fellas
1: stop, are watching man. the uh, broadcast. The
2: hell is he breathing for? Like he's taking deep breaths? Man, the man is in pain. Bart, stop, <laughs> bro. Listen, uh, listen, stop, Bart. You don't play football no more. Stop. I'm empathetic.
0: Listen, you listen. What you had to deal with a couple of weeks ago with your ankle was more severe than what the hell his diagnosis is. You read. You, if you read the clips, stop, it said, man. You, leave leave Keith,
2: that Keith, man Keith, alone. When you
0: read the clips, it said uh, fracture, this and that, a uh, bruise. Fracture tear. You thinking it's done? You praying for him, man. Bart, Prayers stop. up to Nick Foles. You hear? You hear everybody? Prayers up to Nick Foles. A bruise, B- man. If you don't take some Advil, Bart. and put some ice and <laughs> put it and put a girdle on with a hip pad in it, man. Get the hell Bart, out of here,
2: Bart. Stop, come on, man. My, you're not the opponent anymore, bro. We have a job to do bro. here on oh, ESPN. Oh, supposed to have empathy. The man looked like... He, he was, was crying. Stop! Still boy. crying in football. <laughs> and if it's crying, something better be broken, need to be amputated. Well, here's what I would say. I certainly thought that he had got killed, K-I-L-T. But then when I learned that it was a hip pointer, I'm like, okay, well, maybe it was tight and stiff. Come and on, he man. couldn't walk off the field, so... You know, but this is a equip- when we. Find- I'm trying to soften it up, man. I don't. Bro. You know what I'm saying, Zubin? I got my guy linebacker Barto over here man. just going but ham bro, on the man. At, uh, Stop! Listen, man. listen, Ben took takes five of these hits a game. Like, come on, man! I don't want to hear this. Ben Roethlisberger had no kneecaps. He played the next week. He he he's probably gonna be able to play after the bye. son. Nick Foles will probably be able to play but after bro, the bye. But yeah. bro, he is crying and it he got a hurts.
0: bone bruise. Drew Brees is talking. Well, Drew Brees. To, he's, talk, he's talking to Peyton on the sideline. He got four cracked ribs and a puncture, and he's talking. And he's crying for a hip <laughs> bruise.
2: That's what are cold. we talking about, man? You cold, man? Man, come it's on. Just,
0: just I get Went, it. Where, tore everything in his I knee? I get.
2: Every, everybody's built different. He oh. built. He built real different. I mean, he. You that's, know, that's, he that's, has a history of injuries, and so I'm sure it scared him. And he probably said, not again. I'm just trying to. You know who Nick Foles is? He the dude screaming, I'm drowning, I'm drowning. Somebody say, hey, stand up.
0: Oh, all I had to do was stand (laughs) up. Will you get us out of this Z, please? (laughs) Yes.
1: I'll try to. All right. Listen, for those that just aren't familiar with what happened, Foles goes down on Monday night football. You got a boo-boo. It's a leg Ah! and a hip injury or a boo-boo. Nagy comes out and says the next day on a Tuesday, it's a little better than we expected. Really? Key's point, (laughs) the Bears do have a bye week. They got the Green Bay Packers coming out of the bye. So right now, Foles is on the men. Trubisky has a bit of a shoulder injury. Here's Matt Nagy, Bears head coach for the moment, on his thoughts about his quarterbacks.
4: When you lose four games in a row... It's, it's all it's all on the table. Everything's out there. So but the number one thing with Nick and with Mitch that we are concerned about right now is making sure that their health is the number one priority and that'll be significant here moving forward.
1: So that's what he's essentially got to say. Essentially, they've lost four in a row, a bye, and then you got Green Bay coming out of the bye. (laughs) All right, the big question here, a lot of people are simply saying, look, this is all on general manager Ryan Pace. He drafted Mitch Trubisky. He brought in Nick Foles, but Key has an important distinction here.
2: The reason
1: they went out and they got Nick Foles is because his head coach, who was familiar with Foles, said, please go out and get it. So some of the blame here, while it's easy to put it on Foles and it's easy to put it on the GM, some of this has to go on Nagy because he asked for it, he got it, and now Foles is not coming through for him.
2: Look, it, it, the way it works in the NFL circles, in many circles in professional sports, is familiarity. Yeah. As you, what's the famous word that we're using now all over the, everybody? Truncated season. Truncated season. Shortened We're season. We're, we're in a shortened season in mm-hmm. No offseason, no this, no that, no training camp, big-time training camp. So you want to get some familiarity. You want to get somebody who can come in and run your system. Matt Nagy certainly went to the general manager pace and said to him, you know, here's a guy in Nick Foles that we both know, that we both kind of have seen in this league that understands the system. There are other quarterbacks that we can wait on, but we have to teach them and get them up to speed. So, therefore, let's get a guy who we're familiar with that could teach our offense not only to Mitch Trubisky but also to the other players on the offensive side of the ball to help us be better. Well, guess what? It ain't working. Hmm. And it didn't work. And so that falls on Matt Nagy. He he vouched for a quarterback that been, he's been around. And I'm sure he also picked up the phone and talked to some of his – colleagues that have had Nick Foles and said, what do you think? And they probably said, no, Nick's right. I mean, that's you know what he is. And they said, okay, if things go wrong with Mitch Trubisky, which I would have never pulled him at three and O never, ever in a million years, I would have let him just continue to play into a point where we were not winning football games before I made that decision. When he made the decision to go to three and O and pull him, I mean, we had three and O and they pull Mitch Trubisky. I scratched my head, even though Mitch Trubisky wasn't playing great football, they were not losing. So, that's always a problem when coaches do something that's kind of like out of left field. But when you go into the season already with your mind made up that you're not going to withstand your offense sputtering alone with Mitch Trubisky, your mind's made up already when you drafted when you went out and acquired Nick Foles, you said to yourself, I'm not sitting around with Mitch Trubisky too long. You are, even though you were three and O, you were not one and two, you were three and oh. Three and oh. With a couple of good rallies. With a couple of good rallies. So you know Yeah,
0: but Mr. Bridge was playing horrible and he he caught you fire was in a second half. No, no, I get that. But you know You some, don't disrupt something when you winning. I don't I, I don't blame Matt Nagy for going out and getting a four million dollar backup insurance policy. You know, I don't blame him for that. But you do not need
2: to cash in the insurance
0: policy just
2: quite yet. Yeah, but even if you go back to Mitch
0: Trubisky, he's going to remind you just how bad he is. The offense is limited. The problem is they've been acquiring bad picks. I mean, they had a questionable draft. I mean, the, the tight end they took from Notre Dame, we are like, what are you doing, right? You know, so you got to put the onus on the general manager as well. And Matt Nagy tried to go to with what he knew, but you know, what he had to realize is that he brought in a backup quarterback that's a backup quarterback. I mean, we're talking about Nick Foles. He's the same guy that lost his job to a dude in jean shorts which was a six-round draft pick. After they gave him a, a a contract, they they cut him. He lost his job to Minshew Mania in, in in less than a year. So if you can't beat out Minchu, you shouldn't
2: theoretically but, be able to beat out Mr. Trubisky. But that's not it, though, Bart. It's not beating anybody out when when a head coach makes a decision, and, and we've all been there. Whether yeah, it's you go- whether it's Bill Parcells acquiring me. From the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because he knew exactly go what, what you he know. Was getting, you go back to or what whether you it know. was or whether it was Dan Hening vouching for me to go to Carolina and being part of his offense at the Carolina Panthers, or whether it was Rex giving you a bag to come to New York from mm-hmm. Baltimore yeah. because they trust you, they know you, yeah. they understand that you can run the system and you're not going to let them down. And this is what Matt Nagy, if failed experience uh, would have happened with Rex Ryan on you. All hell breaks loose. Mm-hmm. Same with me at teams that I've gone to. All hell break loose. People would be like, well, you brought this in. This is a bum. Blah, blah, blah. That's the same thing for Matt Nagy. See, it's the same exact thing. You decided to make a decision after they hired you to fix Mitch Trubisky as an offensive guru specialist that was going to have an offense totaling 500 yards a game and all these points and this and that. It hasn't been that way. You won 12 games in your first year. Okay, we give you that. But since then, not so good. You, that's half of his win total. That's half 25 of, games. That's half <laughs> of the win total.
1: Right, in one year.
2: In one year. So when people start saying, well, he is 25-17, miss me with that. Yep. Stop that notion that he's 25-17. Just stop that. But the, but the issue is is, is is Ryan
0: Pace, right? Because he's the one that brought Mitch Trubisky in and not go with Deshaun Watson, I, 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 not go mean, with, with with Patrick that, Mahomes. That
2: is, that is so true. But we also hired you to fix our yeah. damn defense, and you didn't do it. What well, defense! You, you it, no, I'm talking about Bart Scott. I yeah. also hired you yeah. to now as this great defensive player, this linebacker, to run the defense. Yeah. We drafted uh, 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 somebody for you to fix, and you didn't do it. Yeah. So now you come to me and you say, hey. I like Ray Lewis. I play with Ray Lewis. I know what Ray Lewis is all about. Even though he's old and he's beat up, I want Ray Lewis. So for me as the general manager, Keyshawn, I say, okay, we're going to sign Ray Lewis. And all of a sudden, every team in the damn country knows that Ray Lewis is on the team. Guess what they're getting ready to do? They're getting ready to run right at Ray. That's not my fault. It's your fault. I get that, but Matt Nagy got Nick Foles as a backup. A backup for
0: $4 million, that's He's probably he one of the really best, didn't but, get but, him as a backup. but 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 I know he wanted somebody to come in and push, just like no 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 bet, no different from them going to bring in Flacco because Joe Douglas had familiarity with Flacco to push Sam Darnold. You wanted some type of veteran there, maybe. Different though. Yeah, but you wanted you wanted a veteran maybe that can push a young quarterback and maybe you'll know, give him some some knowledge and be a mentor at the same time. And you know that Nick Foles can come in. Like I said, Nick Foles is like wine, right? He's good in moderation. When you have to depend on him, he'll let you down. We ha we know his record. You know, he's been on seven teams or six teams. We know what he is. But what the, he brought him in to be a backup, a capable backup, and to push Trubisky. And Trubisky let him down and showed him very early in the process that he's not he's not gonna be able to it's not it's not another level to Mitchell Trubisky. Right? He, he it's not another level. He's gonna fall he's gonna fall in the same category as uh Blaine Gabbard. As as Blake Bortles, he's gonna fall in the same class as Locker, all those guys that have potential that they reached for and dr- overdrafted that that fell short.
1: Last note here, just got to mention it. We talked about it a little bit earlier. Not only do they have a problem at the quarterback position, the guys the quarterbacks are throwing to, including their top target, Allen Robinson, look good and
0: green next year, baby.
1: You <laughs> had his agent Brandon Parker tweeting. On Monday night during the game with the Bears' offensive struggles, quote, should he not be the first read in the red zone 99% of the time? His agent, Brandon Parker, went on to tweet, only team in the league that won't throw it to the wide receiver one, WR1, in the red zone. Same guy who's leading the league in contested catches. What's really going on? So that's another big issue here in Chicago.
2: That's pretty tricky. He's playing the game, and he had his agent do that. That's real (laughs) slick. (laughs) See, but also
0: also the thing is he wants an extension. He wants to be compensated, and they haven't paid him yet, so let him go if you're not going to use him.
1: Indeed. There was a talk about a possible Allen Robinson trade. Allen actually joined us on Keyshawn J. Willen, Zubin a couple months ago and essentially said that's off the table. All is good. A reminder, we're presented by Progressive Insurance. Buster only joins us now on the Shell oil Performance Line, brought to you by Shell V Power Nitro Plus Premium Gasoline. Buster is really here to talk about another team in Chicago and a huge move that was made in their front office yesterday. We're going to get to that with Buster in just one second, but Buster is an avid listener to the program. We do know that. And you want to chime in. Good morning, Buster. On Bart being maybe a little too hard on Nick Foles. Go ahead. Headbuster we'll talk Cubs in a second.
3: Yeah, I covered the Giants for a year, the, the New York Giants. And so I, I, it was absolutely eye-opening to me how different baseball and football are when it comes to peers expecting their, their, uh, the, the others around them to play. Uh, much, much more pointed, much tougher in baseball. Pitcher says he's got a sore arm. Teammates go, okay, you know, that's probably what he's dealing with. In the NFL, no. Get out there, suit up, post
0: up. <laughs> It's a boo-boo, Buster. Like, yeah. come on. He's crying, and it stop. turned out
2: to be a bruise. Will you stop? It's not man. a torn labrum in the hip. Yeah, Buster, I thought he got killed. Look but at it, <laughs> K-I-L-T, Buster, but that wasn't the case. I get it. It hurt a little bit, buddy, and hey, it happens, you know. He'll be back out there next week. Let me ask you this, though, Buster. Why did Theo Epstein step down after nine seasons as the Cub president of baseball operations? Is there something waiting in the wings for him? Well, eventually for sure. But, you know, Theo has made
3: it clear since he was with the Red Sox. He really believes that, you know, 10 years in his spot uh, is good enough. That He was nine years with the Boston Red Sox, and then he moved on to the Cubs. Uh, he's been nine years with the Cubs, and he's moving on. And the timing is, I think, in part because the Cubs are in the next two weeks headed to this enormous crossroad in their, in their uh, journey. You know, they have all these decisions to make. They're going to slash their payroll dramatically. Yep. They're signaling to other teams. They're open for business, talking about everybody from Javier uh, Baez to you, Darvish, you know, questions about whether or not Chris Bryant's going to be tendered a contract. And Theo's feeling is, look, Um, You know, knowing that his contract's up at the end of next year, knowing that they're at this crossroad, it's better for the Cubs to pick the guy who's going to have the vision moving forward, and that's Jed Hoyer, who takes over. Down the road, yeah, I mean, Theo, I think after taking off 2021, will wind up uh, taking on another challenge. I've talked with friends of his. They think that he's more interested in a ground-up type situation and i gotta tell you there are a lot of people around baseball who are looking at nashville and saying what? you know what eventually there's going to be a team there uh where you're going to be building something from the ground up and maybe that's what theo has in mind he talked yesterday about being interested in possible ownership
0: phil is the curse killer he killed boston's curse he killed the cubs curse who's more cursed right now than the mets I mean, you talk about, you hear, you hear Cohen saying, hey, that he wants to invest in, in the upper office, the executives. We know that Sandy is the president of the entire organization. He wants to hire a president of baseball operations. I mean, is it a better marriage? He has, he's going to have all the money that he needs to go out and get what he needs. He has a team that's not starting from the ground up. Why wouldn't the Mets be a perfect uh, situation for Theo Upstein?
3: Well, first off, I don't know that Tom Ricketts, uh, you know, the chairman of the, the, the Cubs, would let Theo go with the year left on his contract if he knew that he immediately was going to dive into another organization. I think it's pretty clear from what Theo said yesterday, from what he's told friends, that he's going to take some time off. Um, and and I think that's the only way the Cubs would have let him to, 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 to move on. Now, if a year from now – the the Mets don't have their, you know, head of, of baseball operations and their whole front office structure in place, then, you know, maybe Theo at that time becomes an option for them. I'm sure that they'll be making the phone call. Sandy Alderson will be making the phone call to Theo and said, look, we just want to double check. Are you interested in talking? I think it's more likely they go in another direction. David Forrest, who's been the general manager of the Oakland Athletics might be the guy at the top of the uh, the Mets' radar right now.
0: But didn't Daryl Murray say the same exact thing when he left Houston like a week ago? I know it's a different sport, but didn't, yeah. he, didn't he say the same exact thing? And he popped up with the Phillies, I mean, uh, the uh, 76ers, like the next week. And I think maybe they can work out a compensation package, maybe Dom Smith or somebody, you know, to, 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 to the Cubs.
3: You know, that, that's always a possibility, but I really don't expect that to happen. Uh, everything I've heard, and as I mentioned, I don't think Theo is looking to immediately dive into a, a situation where the team is on the cusp. I think he's more interested in going from the ground up and also ownership. There, You know, there are a lot of baseball franchises that had trouble this year financially. Um, Theo is someone who's so uh, well-known, and he has so many contacts, I'm sure that if he got uh, an indication that he could be an owner someplace, he probably could raise a ton of money in about 24 hours. <laughs> <laughs> like he knows a lot of people with money. I think that's more likely that uh, that type of situation than going to the Mets or the Phillies.
2: All guests join us here on the Shell all Performance Line. What's next, though, when you look at Theo, right? We talked about all that, but is there something as – is, is? his career obviously isn't over with, but could he be – the greatest manager in the history of the game, a general manager in the history of the game?
3: Yeah, and I think that he's going to hold that title no matter what happens moving forward. Like, if he were to be an owner of a team and then try to build ground up and that team didn't win, it doesn't matter. Uh, You can't beat what he's done as general manager. You know, he was the first one to climb the baseball Everest when the Red Sox won. He's the first one to climb the K-2 uh, when the Reds when the Cubs ended their streak of 108 years. He's going to make a speech in Cooperstown someday, uh, and he's going to be remembered as the greatest general manager of all time, no matter what happens from here on out.
2: Hey, you know, some people in the baseball circles believe that that Theo Epstein, you know, there's analytics increased in the sport and people just feel like, you know, that was a major significant part, but he takes the blame for it. Is that fair?
3: Well, it was very I think the most eye-opening thing that he said yesterday key was in speaking with reporters, he talked about how he wants to help um in so many words to improve the product. And I can tell you this, people around the game are really concerned about the direction of baseball, how uh, in chasing analytics and trying to get every matchup advantage with every batter and this parade of relievers, uh, there are a lot of people who feel like the product is becoming increasingly unwatchable with all the strikeouts and all the walks, uh, you know, home runs, but so much time between actual action in the game. Um, and I would not at all be surprised if you're going to hear a lot more about this in the next year uh, of folks in baseball trying to figure out, OK, what rules changes do we need to affect to make this more attractive to, you know, a 15, 16, 17 year old who is, uh, you know, interested in, uh, you know, following sports. And, and maybe that, that's the type of person we haven't been able to attract lately.
2: Is this still the same thing? Does this fall under like the shifting and all of that? Because I hate that. Like I growing up as a you know Buster growing up as a baseball guy, I hate all the shifting and and you it know I just the don't way like it. I don't like it. I
3: don't well, like I do think that that's that's definitely something they've talked about. You know, there has been a refrain in the committee they have had about spikes on the dirt. They want to you know perhaps limit uh players infielders to staying in the infield dirt. Uh, they want to talk about, you know, infielders maybe staying on their side of the diamond, you know, either to the right or left of second base. Yes. But somehow, <laughs> people around baseball really feel like they have to oh, increase man. the action. They can't have ten minutes between uh, balls being put in play.
1: There's no doubt about it. We'll wait to see what happens with baseball moving forward. Commissioner Manfred is certainly looking to implement some changes. We'll see if they stick. And it's also important to note that uh, the guy taking over in Chicago, Jed Hoyer, uh, outside of a two-year run as a general manager of the Padres, essentially has been in lockstep with Theo for 17 of the last 19 years. So we can expect maybe a little more of the same and a little bit different. Buster.
2: Buster. Let's go Dodgers. <laughs> Thank you, Buster. Congratulations, Kate.
1: We'll, for years. we'll see you, man. Thank you very much. See you, guys. One last thing I wanted to mention to Key's point. The 86-year curse for Boston, he ended it. And then the 108-year curse, he ended it. For the Cubs, he's 46 years old. If he decides to go on a beach, buy a private island, and do nothing for the rest of his life at the age of 46 years old, as Buster said, at 46, he will go down as the most influential general manager in the history of our national pastime. That is something. On the way, is it possible? Is it possible? The Miami Dolphins are in pole position to win the AFC East, the numbers you got to hear next.
0: Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. You can hear the show live weekdays at 6 Eastern on ESPN Radio, ESPN News, or wherever you
1: stream your audio.